0: Trust in
1: you. Greetings, Saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Father, we ask your grace to be with us today, your wisdom to be with us today, and most of all, your faith to help us to overcome all these things that are coming. Great tests are coming against Christianity. People are going to need the faith, and the promises of God. Thank you, Father. Amen. Okay, so the war is on, and um, famine is uh, being prepared. And um, I suggest you believe in uh, blessing your food and your water. And uh, I would say get most money out of the bank, if you've got any there. And um, the deep state is destroying the food production and the animals and are poisoning the municipal water sources. I'm sure most of you have heard this. And, of course, their plan for depopulation was etched into the Georgia Guidestones, which has been destroyed by the Alliance. And they are being executed from the leadership in many countries where they also cheated on the vote. And all these things are coming to be declassed. And um, um, I know a great portion of things have been, but much more is coming. And um, we have, we're going to have here an updated list of the 98 U.S.-based food manufacturing plants that were destroyed Uh, damaged or impacted by so-called accidental fires, disease, or general causes under the Biden administration. People don't know that uh, Biden's former Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack, uh, met his demise last Monday when the Office of uh, Military Commissions hanged him for having committed treason against the United States of America evidence of emails uh, Vilsack had sent to Secretary of Commerce Gina Raimondo on April 13th, 2022, just days before food processing plants across the country began to, quote, accidentally, unquote, uh, burst into flames, which led to his military tribunal conviction. Um... I'm going to read this little article here by Mike Adams. It's called, The Controlled Demolition of Food and Energy Infrastructure is Now Underway. Mm-hmm. And uh, the controlled demolition of food and energy infrastructure is now underway. The global destruction of food in, uh, is accelerating day by day. The goal is rather obvious at this point to destroy human civilization and starve as many people to death as possible by any means necessary. Those who don't yet realize this is happening will be destroyed by it. Well, except for though, there's a lot of ignorant people out there who put their trust in the Lord, and uh, they don't know all these things, but they still trust the Lord, and the Lord's going to provide for his people. So, he goes on to say, Today we bring you an astonishing list of sabotage against refineries, the deliberate takedown of the power grid, the shuttering of fertilizer manufacturers, and even new attacks on lithium, the battery storage element, uh, powering the green economy. Globalists are trying to starve and kill billions. Yes, they are. And a lot of people are waking up to that. And um, in many countries, they're being overthrown. So here's a situation update. June twentieth, two 2022, the controlled demolition of food and energy infrastructure is now underway. And they have a video here you can watch. Um, a little on plagues. The first plagues, which, you know, I shared with you, about three and a half years before they came, are now nothing, okay? And um, it's really the vaccine, right? As most people know now. Um, Father told us greater plagues are coming, which will kill many. The deep state leftists are desperate. The vaccines, along with Rockefeller's guidelines for hospitals and doctors, have and will kill many more. And so, I mean, people, many are wised up now, and less and less people are, you know, falling for the vaccine thing, which is a good thing. Praise be to God. And here's a a pretty great testimony uh, where God showed this girl about the plagues of 2023. And uh, this was on YouTube. It was uh, Great Miracles Avenue, six ten twenty two. So the following is a summary of this testimony by Eve Brast of the entire video testimony linked here. So you can listen to the whole thing if you click on that. Uh, this is an awesome testimony well worth your time this young girl grew up in a religious family and went to church and participated in religious activities she was a good person but she didn't have a relationship with Jesus and this was found out in this revelation and when she died she was taken first to hell before Jesus brought her back with a mission to tell the world about the coming's fate of 2023, so this young African lady had been having a lot of heart trouble and chest pains and had been diagnosed by the doctors with endocarditis, Hmm. Uh, around 10 p.m. one evening her heart was racing much faster than usual and her breathing was out of control and she couldn't do anything about it. And there seemed to be an abrupt cessation of her breath, and she felt herself suffocating. And she attempted to shift her body in the bed. And after repeated attempts to cry out to her parents for help and not being heard, she began to feel cold, and her spirit became detached from her body. She was propelled through space at an incredible rate of speed and began asking herself repeatedly if she was dead. And after some time, she felt a hand on her shoulder and turned to see a man in brilliant white and uh, with a glowing face. She asked him if he was Jesus, and he responded, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come with me, and I will show you mighty things that you do not know. She asked, Jesus, am I dead? And Jesus said, you are here for one purpose, and that must be accomplished as soon as possible. I will impact upon you uh, my word and ask that you disseminate it throughout the world. Let them know the great tribulation is due and it will be tougher and longer than humanity can imagine. She was crying and started to hear sounds of screaming and pain and feeling the air. It all intensified as she was moving closer to where the voices and cries were coming from. The smell and hotness, in that place, was like none other. It then dawned on her that she was in hell. She cried out, Master Jesus. And Jesus said, On earth you just went to church and did other religious activities because it was imposed on you by your parents, and you never looked for me with the whole of your heart. He paused for a moment and she observed the sorrowful reaction from his movement as they walked then he said, this is how hell's fire is, you won't be here long, I want you to tell my people about the coming year, 2023. And as soon as he said this, the obnoxious scents and sounds gradually faded away and the atmosphere and power shifted to a more comfortable state. She stated, Now please listen carefully. Jesus went on to say, 2023 will be a tough year, and the year of more doom. The pains and sufferings of the past years will be nothing compared to the future. The avarice and greed of men will be made known, and this will be, cause, will be the cause of a severe pandemic. Conflicts between nations will erupt more frequently and violently than ever before. Even the most privileged will be concerned. And uh, note, avarice means an extreme greed for wealth or material gain. If it wasn't this way, saints, just my thoughts, people would not find a need to run to the Lord, just like this young lady. You know, uh, if it wasn't this way, if it was peace and security, if it was a thousand years of peace, no one would be saved. The uh, Most people turn to the Lord when they find out they need a Lord. And they turn to the Lord when they can see that their sins are against God. So, continuing, after sensing her anxieties, he continued to hold her hand tightly. He went on to say, tell my people that in spite of everything, everyone who seeks and finds salvation in me, I, the Lord, shall be with them. I will dry the tears from their eyes and I will comfort them even if the repercussions of greed continue to rule and prevail. My Father who rules beyond heaven and earth shall bring peace to the world but only if the world seeks repentance. Go now and tell the world. That's right. So the people in the world who seek repentance... Will find his peace, even in the midst of all of this that's going on. She began to beg to stay with Jesus and asked if another could go in her stead. But Jesus said, These are my plans for you. You were born for this, for this purpose, and this is your mission on earth. Go and tell the world what you have seen and heard. As soon as he was done speaking, she was suddenly knocked off her feet by a gust of wind that was so powerful that it was beyond her ability to resist its force and when she came back into her body, she could hear the sobs and wails of her mother and the doctors were rushing around and, and felt them take she felt them taking her pulse. They declared that she was dead and that they had never witnessed a miracle like this. She had been dead from 10 p.m. the previous night and wasn't found by her dad until the next morning when they had rushed her to the hospital. She says she has relayed the information in precisely the same manner as Jesus has given it to her, and she hopes that everyone, everyone, will take heed to the warning. Well, the, the Lord is really the only cure for things that are coming. Um, avoiding even the vaccine will not help. Many people are going to be faced with this who are now wise to the vaccines, uh, but they'll be around people. And the best defense, of course, is holiness and righteousness in the Lord. I'm going to put a a link to our book, God's Vaccine, here, which will give you wisdom concerning this. And I pray that everybody will pay attention to it. Okay. And also, I'll put seven simple steps to be immune from the plagues and pestilences which are coming. Okay, here's a revelation given to Michael Boldia, March of 2010. It was called Three Men in a Wheatfield. And this is a pretty intricate revelation. It uh, actually probably can be very easily interpreted in a couple of ways, and both of them are important. So shortly after returning to the United States, I began having a recurring dream. After seeking the Lord on the matter, however, I know I was supposed to make this dream public. I dreamt I stood in front of a large wheat field. Well, let's just say, according to the parable of the sower, the field is the world. And as we will see, an angel in this dream seems to indicate that this wheat field represents both the food supply but also God's people in a larger interpretation because he likens them to wheat, right? He went on to say, By the golden hue the wheat stalks had taken on in my dream, I knew that it was close to harvest time, either late summer or early autumn. We are hearing the date of September the 12th, as a day of great earthquakes and tsunamis and much death. We'll put an interesting video link here. Okay. I'm not saying that's the only date, of course, or it's only going to come in a date, but uh, something great is supposed to happen there. Uh, Michael went on to say, it was beautiful and peaceful watching the wheat sway gently in the breeze under a picture-perfect blue sky. As I grew familiar with the scene before me, I began looking around and saw three men, evenly spaced, at the edge of the field. Well, I believe that we are on the precipice of these judgments. Okay. One man stood on the left corner of the rectangular field. The second man stood in the middle and the third man stood on the far right edge. I believe these men represent angels bringing judgment as well as a harvest upon the earth. Judgments will force many people into thinking about God and repenting and turning to him. All three men were dressed in white And since I was seeing them from behind, I could not make out their faces. And each of the three men held something on their right hand, or in their right hand. The man on the left held a burning torch. The man in the middle held something that looked like a wineskin. It was filled with water, by the way. And the man uh, in the far right corner held an old-fashioned sickle and a basket lay on the ground next to him. I recognize the sickle, Michael said, because I used to play with one in my adolescence when living in Romania. Okay, I believe that uh, these men represent the angels of judgment. And uh, the last one, of course, is the harvest which is also a judgment, because when the harvest is taken, uh, what's left is not worth taking. And as I stood and watched this strange scene before me, the man on the far left tipped his torch slightly and touched one of the wheat stalks with the lit torch. Well, well, We must say that these angels may be using men to do their works. For instance, it is the left that is destroying the food supply. And this man is on the left. Um, Suddenly, about one-third of the entire wheat field burst into flame. Of course, that's a destruction of a crop. Um. The fire went out, as quickly as it began, a sudden burst of flame, followed by the scorched remnants of a once-beautiful wheat field. Okay, although the scenario in this dream is speaking about global famine and the destruction of crops, Revelation 6, 5 and 6 says this, And when he opened the third seal, I heard the living, the third living creature saying, Come, and I saw, and behold, a black horse, and he that sat thereon had a balance in his hand. And I heard, as it were, a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A measure of wheat for a shilling, and three measures of barley for a shilling, and the oil and the wine hurt thou not. And, Michael said, as I continued watching, the second man uncorked the wineskin, raised it about shoulder level, and tipped it slightly. One solitary drop of water poured out of the wineskin. But as it made contact with the wheat, another third of the field was leveled as though a great wave had just swept through it. It's, well, it's no secret now that they are poisoning the crops and doing weather warfare um, against them to uh, flood them and to uh, eventually kill many people. It is their plot. It is their scheme. They are Satanists. They are mad. Uh, They are demon-possessed. And we, we've had much um, experience with the people uh, of the faction, which are the same way, having the exact same spirits. So we know they never give up. They have a job to do, and they're doing it. Michael said, I did not understand what I was seeing, but I continued to watch the scene unfold. I was expecting the third man to do something as dramatic as the first two. But instead, he simply bent from the waist, grabbed a handful of wheat stalk with his left hand, and with a practiced swing of the sickle, cut through it. He then laid the wheat that he had cut in the basket. I want to say that this harvest, of course, is a cutting loose from the earth. It entails uh, the death of people. Okay. Okay. And although there was a solemnity in the actions of all three men, the gentleness and the care with which the third man laid the wheat in the basket stood out for some reason. That's because it is the harvest of souls for the Lord. It is very, very important. And, of course, many will grieve this and uh, understand the, the reasons why people are dying and, of course, people may turn to the Lord quickly because, obviously, we've got little time left, right? The man continued the process of cutting wheat and putting it in the basket until it was full and then, with practiced ease, tied the wheat into a small bushel Uh, with a piece of twine he removed from his waist. He laid the bushel aside and returned to swinging the sickle and filling the basket. This went on for some time, probably about seven years, (laughs) as the man methodically and quickly made bushel after bushel of wheat. Amen. Revelation 14, 14 through 16. And I saw and behold a white cloud, and on the cloud I saw one sitting like unto a son of man, having on his head a crown, a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the temple, crying with a great voice to him that sat on the cloud, Send forth thy sickle and reap, for the hour to reap is come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And we're talk, talking about God's God's crop here, right? And he that sat on the cloud cast his sickle upon the earth, and the earth was reaped. You can imagine that this didn't happen in a moment. <laughs> it happened in a over a period of time. And some even already have passed on to be with the Lord, you know. Uh For the first two nights, this is where my dream ended, and as I knew this could not be the end of it, I began to pray that I might either see the conclusion of the dream or receive the interpretation. On the third night, the dream began as the previous two nights, with the first man setting the fire to one-third of the field and the second man flooding one-third and the third man meticulously harvesting the last third. And I thought it would be the same dream yet again until the man with the sickle turned and looked at me and said, The world will know hunger. The faithful will know the power of their God. You understand? (laughs) When they went into the wilderness, there was not much to be seen to keep people alive. God did miracles, and God's people got to see the provision of God, okay? So this statement that the Lord makes here, or the man, the, the angel, the world will know hunger, the faithful will know the power of their God. Amen. Have faith. Michael said, I recognized him, and I had seen him in both dreams and visions before. This destruction of food will put the saints in a position to trust God for miracles, I believe, and such as when Moses led the people of God into the wilderness, tribulation, where there was no visible means of support, and they ran out of water, and they ran out of food, but God supplied just as Jesus did when he led the people into the wilderness. Amen. Michael said, I woke up and went about my day thinking that I would have the dream again that night, but the dream did not return. I received no further insight or interpretation, but this is what I believe in regards to its meaning. I believe that a worldwide food shortage is imminent, whether due to too much sun Not enough rain or too much rain and unprecedented weather patterns. Global agriculture will suffer a severe blow very shortly. Yes, agreed. And we're currently seeing an engineered global food shortage and supply chain disruption. I also believe that God has already prepared provision for His children that he will provide for them, and miraculously so. I do not believe God reveals coming events to his children, that they might grow fearful or panic, but rather that they might learn to trust him, knowing that he who is already into tomorrow has already made provision for it. Well, basically, this puts people in a wilderness situation. We're told in Revelation chapter 12, and Revelation 17, that the seven years of tribulation is a wilderness. What is a wilderness? Well, it's where you don't get fed out of Egypt, okay? And you have to have miracles of God. So, basically, the saints need to learn to receive from God through faith. And they will. The saints will. The sanctified ones will, okay? Matthew 6 Yes, amen. And also, 31 through 33. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God. Here's the key. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's a promise from God. Seek first God. Don't seek first to preserve your life. Seek first God. He will preserve your life. Amen? Okay, now here's um, uh, a related uh, revelation given to Dana Coverstone on July 14th, 2020. It's very interesting. Uh, we called it Factious Persecution Coming to the Church. Yes, this is how some people will be cut off from this world, you know. Um, but I would like to first prepare you to understand Dana's revelation of wolves that are hidden in the body and being revealed. They, they uh, are a corporate son of perdition, such as Judas was called. There are many Judases. We all need Judases. Judases help us to our cross, right? Jesus had help going to his cross <laughs> by Judas. And he said that we would follow him with our crosses or we are not his disciples. Uh, Judas, who was called the son of perdition, helped Jesus to go to his cross. And he, as a corporate body, will help the true body of Christ to go to their cross. And that's what Dana's revelation is all about. In 1 John 2 and 6, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. So, we need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And that is to our cross. And how will we get there? The same way Jesus did. So now pay close attention to what Paul says is coming. Long after Judas hung himself, Paul wrote this. So it's not talking about the original Judas, but the Judases of our day. His text regarding this speaks of the Lord not coming until the son of perdition comes out of the body in order to purify it. This is what we've been seeing uh, multiplied f- since probably 2010, 2011. Um, they're coming out and they're offended and they're angry and uh, Dana's Revelation points all this out so let's keep in mind that the son of perdition crucifies both the Lord and his body because Jesus said we're going to be following in his steps and Ecclesiastes chapter 1 tells us the things that have been are the things that shall be there's no new thing under the sun history just repeats It just repeats with larger groups of people. So there are two harvests. The first fruits harvest, which is the man-child reformer harvest. Obviously, if you're going to be a reformer, you've got to be prepared already. Okay? And the ingathering harvest, which is the church. Both of these harvests must have a son of perdition to bring them to their crosses of death to self uh, again, we don't, it's not talking about physical death, although that could be a part of it. The main thing is death to self. This is how we bear fruit. And this is when the harvest is ready, when they are dead to self. The man-child reformers have already faced their son of perdition as the dragon sought to devour the man-child in Revelation 12. The description that we're going to look at uh, fits both of these Judas harvests, okay, both of them. Okay, Second Thessalonians chapter two, one through twelve. Now we beseech you, brethren, touching the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto Him, uh, to the end that ye be not quickly shaken from your mind. Nor yet be troubled, either by spirit or by word or by epistle as from us, that the day of the Lord is just at hand. What he's saying is very plainly that the coming of the Lord and our gathering unto him. Ah, by the way, a happening like this happens at the beginning of the tribulation period, just like it did in Jesus' time. He came, they gathered unto him. And he's saying, this doesn't happen immediately. There's some other things that have to happen, so he goes on to say, "Let no man beguile you in any wise, for it will not be that is the coming of the Lord, except the falling away come first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition." So he's saying this is going to precede the coming of the Lord to uh, to his people. It's um, the man of sin has to fall away and be revealed. A um, a corporate son of perdition is being revealed now, and it is be- before the coming of the Lord in his David man-child reformer ministry who is spiritually crucified by them. So, obviously, this has to happen before the Lord in his a uh, body of David's, like he came in first in the body of a son of David, before the Lord in his body of David's is prepared to and overcome, and so on. Verse 4 He that opposeth and exalts himself against all that is called God or that is worshiped. Well, this is clear. These Judases are thieves, deceivers, fornicators. They believe that their actions are justified putting themselves above God uh, they have become the judges and everything they think doesn't have to uh, align up with scripture or doesn't have to submit to the rules of scripture and it never does. Okay. So this is a reprobation as it was with Judas. So again, so that he sitteth in the temple of God setting himself forth as God. Well Paul used the word naos nine times as the body of Christ, as it was in this case right here, but never as the, the hereon, which uh, was the word used for the physical temple. Judas was Antichrist in his judgment of Jesus, putting himself in the place of God. And he sits in the church, in the temple of God, setting himself forth as God, these judges have decided that we don't need God to judge, we're going to do it for selfish reasons, obviously. Verse five, and of course you know Judas's reason was very selfish. Remember ye not that when I was with you was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know that which restraineth that which restraineth what? That which restraineth the coming of the Lord for his body. And it is the falling away of the son of perdition to purify the body. So, and it goes on to say, to the end that he may be revealed in his own season. So the son of perdition fell away just like Judas did. Nobody knew that because Judas was hidden among the disciples. He was hidden in the church, but was not revealed until he fell away and became the vicious person he was because Satan filled him. Okay? For the mystery of lawlessness doth already work, only there is one that restraineth now until he be taken out of the way. So, we know that um, the word be taken out of the way uh, should be become out of the midst because the numeric pattern shows become out of the midst is correct. So, I'll read that again. For the mystery of lawlessness doth already work, only there is one that restraineth, that is restraining the coming of the Lord, until he become out of the midst. And see, the Lord wants a purified body, and he has to come out. Judas, the son of perdition, in our day is hidden in the body like spots and blemishes that were warned about, and must come out through falling away to purify the body. In Dana Coverstone's dream, which I'm going to share with you shortly, uh, he said, that the wolves would be sitting in the church right next to the Christians. And the Christians wouldn't know it. But the wolves would come out. Well, okay. He, he covered all of that, you know, which is a perfect pattern to what we're reading here. Dana said this was about the church. But this has already happened in the first fruits. He, was, he is correct in saying that. It is about the church. Uh, but let me say, uh, all harvests uh, need the same series of events. One of them has to do with the son of perdition. So there is a harvest of the man-child who's getting prepared to go and uh, be a reformer to the church. How can he be a reformer unless he has first arrived, right? How did that happen? It happened because of Judas's that have already been assassinating both the character and uh, the work of the man-child ministry on earth. It's already happening. This is already happening. Dana's talking about what's coming to the church because the church is the in-gathering harvest at the end. Okay? So God has shown us all of this text being fulfilled concerning His first fruits. And now Jesus in the man-child reformers can come, okay? Verse 8, And then shall be revealed the lawless one. So the falling away will reveal the lawless one. We've watched this happen. We've watched people fall away. We've watched them be reprobated because they will not give up their sins. They're stubborn and rebellious and self-willed and greedy and thieves and so on. Just everything that Judas was, okay? The lawless one. They're lawless. They do not care about the Scriptures. They will not obey the Scriptures. They are totally lawless. Then shall be revealed the lawless one whom the Lord Jesus will slay with the breath of his mouth. Breath is also the word for spirit. With the spirit of his mouth. So the Lord, uh, when he comes, is going to bring an end to these Judases. And that was like David, who represented the man-child in his day, and he judged the Edomites, uh, those who uh, were like Judas against their own brethren. And uh, Jesus, who judged Judas, right, told us about him, right? And the sons of perdition or destruction will be judged by the coming of Jesus manifested in the man-child reformers, just like Jesus in David judge the Edomites who came against their own brethren and bring to naught by the manifestation of his coming. Wait, uh, Jesus is going to bring to naught the son of perdition by the manifestation of his coming. Interesting how the word manifestation is there. Well, notice that the word manifestation here, which is phenerosis. Uh, means to become visible by a shining forth. Did you hear that? Uh, the glory of God will be seen in his first fruits, according to second Corinthians three and 18. He is going to shine forth. It's a shining forth, okay? Isaiah said twice that his reward is with him and his recompense before him. You remember the Lord uh, coming from Edom with blood-stained garments when he came in Isaiah. Yes. Even he, that is Judas, whose coming is according to the working of Satan, Satan entered Judas, and he enters the Judases of our day, whose coming is according to the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, Yes, they love to do witchcraft, uh, which is rampant among the Judases. Witchcraft, of course, is rebellion, for one thing, but it's also using demons to manifest certain things, especially attacks against the righteous. And with all deceit of unrighteousness, for them that perish, in other words, the son of perdition is bringing this deceit of unrighteousness for them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved so their deception uh, is to impart demons to people who uh, disobey the word so they will deceive only those who do not hold to the scriptures that's all that's it and uh, verse 11, and for this cause, God sendeth them a working of error that they should believe a lie. Okay, uh, <laughs> you can try, I've tried myself, to warn them away from their their uh, un, uh, their evil lifestyles, their uh, unforgiveness, their criticism, their thinking they can judge others when they're the worst criminals out there. Okay, this is crazy. It is crazy. Okay, I'm just going to tell you. And I've experienced enough of it to know it is crazy. Verse 12, that they all might be judged who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is true. So this is God's, the son of perdition is in a way doing God's work here. He is cleansing the church of those who do not love the truth. They will believe a lie. Okay, so here's Dana's dream. In the dream, I was standing over a field, looking down on a valley, and it was a large field. Well, according to the parable of the sower, Jesus said the field is the world, right? And there were hundreds, perhaps even thousands, of wolves, all dark gray, not black, but dark gray. Gray, of course, is death. They are dead. They are dead to God, okay? And menacing. Menacing. They were all sleeping and they were nuzzling each other and kind of laying around. Yeah, okay. What are they getting prepared for? <clears throat> Matthew ten sixteen through 25 says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up. Okay, that's what they do. Like Judas. To councils. And in their synagogues they will scourge you. Yea, and before governors and kings shall ye be brought for my sake, for a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Of course, we saw this in the life of Jesus, in the life of Paul, and so on and so forth. But when they deliver you up, as Judas did, uh, be not anxious how or what you shall speak or what shall be given unto you in that hour, what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father that speaketh in you. And brother shall deliver up brother to death, and father his child, and children shall rise up against parents. I want to say, That when the Judases turn against the body of Christ and are filled with Satan, they destroy their own families. We have watched their children go downhill. Some of them even became Satanists. And uh, because this is a Satanist situation here. The Judas is a Satanist. He is filled with Satan, and he wouldn't have called himself a Satanist, but that's what he was. And they don't do it today, but that's what they are because they follow Satan faithfully. And children shall rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. Well, that's see, that's, this is what they do. They kill their families. They kill them. They impart the demons that are in them. I've heard them moan about bringing home spirits of lust and fornication and their children picking it up. I've heard them cry about that. And uh, verse 22, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Yes. But when they persecute you in this city, flee to the next. For verily I say unto you, You shall not have gone through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man be come. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his teacher, and the servant as his Lord. Walking in the same steps, right? If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more them of his household. Yes, they will call you anything that uh, they can think of that would discourage you or turn people away from you right? Suddenly a very dark figure began running into the middle of all those wolves. And with a whip, he began to whip all those wolves and they began to wake up and they were shrieking and making horrible noises. We, A man in our assembly one time was snatched out of our assembly and taken to hell. He screamed. He shrieked. And then after he went to hell, he came back and told us the next day it was a good thing. It was a great thing. you know. But that was when he was totally taken and deceived, you see. It entered into Jesus, Judas the same way. Well, this dark figure that is uh, whipping them represents Satan who stirred up the son of perdition. And they were waking up to being hurt. They're hurt. They're very hurt. They're very hurt about the goofiest things you ever heard in your life. <laughs> Mostly they want to cover up their sins by blaming you for what they are doing. That's just, I mean, you've seen it in the political realm. It's happening in the church. Okay. The dark figure just kept whipping them and stirring them into a frenzy. He was making them mad, infuriating them, and he kept whipping. But the the wolves weren't hurting him. They showed him respect and showed some fear of him. He was like a master. Yes, Satan became their master. And once the wolves finally cowered down, he stopped and pointed his finger and spun around in a circle and said, go to the cities. And the wolves took off in every single direction possible, howling at the top of their lungs. And the sky was dark, and I don't remember if I saw a moon. Well, a moon hidden because the bride has not yet reflected the sun, S-O-N. Right? So, um... So, the scenes changed. Uh, Again, I'm skipping through here just a little bit. I don't have time to cover the whole thing, but you can go and listen to it. So, the scene changes, and I'm standing in front of a monitor or video screen of hundreds of TV sets or hundreds of computer screens, and I'm watching men and women of God, pastors from all around the world. And I saw myself with them, and we were all preaching the gospel each one of us was sweating and there's almost steam coming off of our heads um this could imply some self works i mean a person who was a priest could not sweat and they couldn't wear a garment that would make them sweat because it symbolized uh self works okay And this is something that um, uh, the leadership is going to learn, or they're not going to be in the leadership, right? It just showed the impact that we were trying to make, and we were preaching hard and teaching hard, and we were teaching biblical principles and dealing with some of the major issues and sin in our cultures. And we were calling people to righteousness and holiness and to give up ungodly things that are a part of their lives. Lamen. Well, amen. Let me say that the church is going into tribulation to learn to not go beyond the things that are written. As Paul said, here is one of the things that they will learn to obey. They don't think they have to, but they will learn to obey. 1 Timothy two eleven through 15 let the, uh, a woman learn in quietness and all subjection, but I permit not a woman to teach nor to have dominion over a man, but to be in quietness. So that uh, precludes the women from being um, elders, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, so on and so forth. Uh, not that they can't prophesy, but the, um, a prophet is an office in the church, okay? For Adam was first formed and then Eve. He gives you a reason for this. And Adam was not beguiled, but the woman being beguiled hath fallen into transgression. So he says this is the reason. Okay. But she shall be saved through her childbearing if they continue in faith and love and sanctification with sobriety. Well, we know that there were no women pastors in the New Testament. Okay. It was not permitted. And as I'm preaching and watching all these other men and women preach, I saw people in the chairs, in the pews, in the seats. Some are looking at their watches. Some are yawning. And some have their heads on uh, the back of the chairs or on the pews. And they're asleep. And others, you could tell, were uncomfortable and didn't want to be there. And I saw people walking out of the back doors. Well, there are, according to the Scriptures, hidden rocks in our love feasts. Uh, First, there is disinterest, and then there is a lack of conscience, and then they end up persecuting, right? Um... Jude 1, 8-13, Yet in like manner these also in their dreamings defile the flesh and set at naught dominion. This is what they do. And rail at dignities. This is what they do. But these rail at whatsoever things they know not and what they understand naturally like creatures without reason. They can't reason. Uh, In these things are they destroyed. Woe unto them, for they went in the way of Cain. Judas did that. And ran riotously in the error of Balaam for hire. Judas could be bribed for money. Right. And perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Amen. These are they who are hidden rocks in your love feasts when they feast with you. shepherds that without it's not by the way shepherds wasn't in the original there's no numeric pattern in it but they are included here Uh, but while they feast with you that without fear feed themselves clouds without water carried along by winds autumn leaves without fruit twice dead and plucked up by the roots okay you cannot be twice dead unless you're twice born You must be born again to fall into this category. Uh, Wild waves of the sea foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars for whom the blackness of darkness has been reserved forever. Oh, if you could just tell them, if you could just get this across to them, that what they're doing is going to cause them to end up like this for eternity. But they won't hear it. God has closed their eyes and their ears. But I also see at the front of the church auditorium a handful of people, and I'm going to call it a core group. There was a small core group in every church where the gospel was being preached who were emphatically listening uh, and supporting their pastors who were preaching, supporting their doctrine the teaching, the ideas that were coming out from these men and women of God. They were kneeling in prayer, and they were praying and were supportive. <clears throat> they were praying for those people in the chairs that were behind them who weren't listening and were leaving. There was a gap of distance between those who were really listening and paying attention, and those that weren't. So, God is making a distinction and separation between his elect and the sons of perdition. Uh, We will know them by their fruits. Okay. And suddenly, the howling of wolves appeared outside the churches. And I began to hear scratching at the door like a dog trying to get in or get out. At that moment, the people who were up front close to the pastor and close to the altar began to turn around, and they were aware that someone was at the door, and they began to intensely and aggressively pray against the enemy and the spirit that was at the door. The door didn't burst open, but the wolves just began to come in quietly. Yes, they do. They come in quietly. Some of them even want uh, what the people have, uh, but they're not willing to pay the price to have it. They began to walk around, and they walked up and sniffed some of the people that were just listening and the people who weren't listening at all had no idea that the wolves were there. Hmm. Now the wolves all had red eyes, almost like a red LED light. And when they were being stirred up and whipped by that master figure, their eyes began to glow and get brighter and brighter. So when they were set loose, and were going into the cities, their eyes were flaming. So now these wolves came into the churches, but their eyes weren't red. They were just black and compliant, and they looked around, and they came up and sat down in the chairs, in the pews right beside the people who were not listening. Well, how does that happen? (laughs) why would they just sit down beside those people well I'm telling you because those people will listen to them yeah there was no fear no worry no concern at all it was almost as if the people didn't even realize that they were there well sons of perdition will be in every church to help the elect to go to their cross as we've already spoken But then, the louder that I and the others preached, and the more intensely we preached, the more we dealt with issues and things that were sin. These people began to stir, and all of a sudden, the wolves' eyes became redder and redder. Yes, they don't want to obey the Scriptures. You cannot tell them that they can't fornicate. You can't tell them that they can't seduce a married woman. You can't tell them that uh, man on man is wrong. You can't tell them on and on. You can't tell them. And as the people became irritated, the wolves began to growl. And the people who weren't listening began saying, shut up, stop saying that. In other words, they are listening to the gripes of these wolves And they're deciding, yeah, that's right, we don't want to hear that either. (laughs) And in fact, the next word is, I don't want to hear that. (laughs) They were very aggressive, and I kept preaching and preaching. And on the screens, I kept seeing in my head all these people just kept preaching and preaching and preaching. Finally, the people who hadn't been listening were now listening and saying, shut up and stop. What was the influence? Those ones sitting next to them, the wolves. And the wolves are beside them and nudging them, and they're getting them worked up too. So the enemy worked these wolves up, and the wolves came in, and they started stirring up the people. Mm -hmm, That's what they do. They don't obey the rules of go to the person, that you're offended with, and talk to them. They'd never obey that, never obey that. They want to go first to the third step Jesus gave, which is to bring it before the church. That's what they do. They have to slink around because they're breaking all the rules. And you can tell them this, and they they don't have a conscience. So so now the wolves started coming up towards me. And on the screens, I'm seeing the wolves start coming up to other pastors and preachers of God who were preaching. Uh, Jesus said the way was narrow and the gate was very small to get in, so we were preaching that kind of message. These wolves began nipping at my leg, and they started trying to bite some of the preachers that I was watching on the screen. They were growling, and one jumped up on my pulpit, and he was right in my face and growling." Yep, that's what the Judas's do. Judas was offended with Jesus when the woman with the alabaster flask didn't sell it and give the money, and that was because he was a thief and he was stealing the money. So he had a very selfish purpose. I could see the saliva dripping off of his teeth, and I tried to push him off, and he bit my arm, and he grabbed my leg. Well, you can imagine the teeth sinking into his arm and his leg. It was said of the Lord and his body, by the way, in Psalm 22 and 16, For dogs have compassed me. A company of evildoers have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Well, this speaks of the lies that they speak against uh, his work and uh, and his walk. The hands and the feet, right? Pierced, the hands and the feet. The teeth pierced the hands and the feet. His work and his walk. And so it is today. They do the same thing. Jesus in someone else makes no difference to them. They're just against Jesus, right? I'm watching some of the preachers and pastors that share the same heart for ministry and preaching that I do being taken down to the ground by growling wolves. And we just kept preaching, and the wolves just kept biting and attacking us. That's what they do. They bite and devour one another, right? And we've been experiencing this and watching this happen for some years. I'm talking about we have. This is my note, right? So we know it's happening, and we've seen it happening, and it's just as unreasonable as this. And the louder we got, the louder the wolves howled, and the people at the altar were praying for safety and for protection. The wolves weren't necessarily attacking the people that were praying. Matter of fact, they'll be very slick and very smooth-mouthed, as uh, Paul talked about in Romans. Uh, to deceive um, the ignorant. So they might talk one way to the preacher and another way to the people. Yes, they do. Uh, The wolves weren't necessarily attacking the people that were praying. They were stirring up the people who weren't listening, and they were attacking the preachers and pastors, those of us who were trying to preach the message that God had given us. The intensity of that moment was profound for me as I'm preaching. I'm trying to kick a wolf, and there was no way to fend them all all off. We were just being overwhelmed and attacked. And the angry people were getting up and leaving that had not been listening. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you can tell when people have to be told the same thing over and over and over, that they never were listening. They were slamming the doors, and they were making a big scene and saying, we're not coming back. You won't shut up. We're done here. And they left. Well, I got to say, the church just got purified. Yes, and suddenly the scene changed, and I saw courtrooms and judges with gavels just pounding and pounding at the bench. I saw pastors in chains. I saw uh, I had shackles on myself. I saw people in the jury seats on the witness stands, and they were crying. And the judges were saying, You can no longer preach this message. You can no longer declare that this type of lifestyle is sin. You cannot address these things from the pulpit ever again. You cannot say this. You cannot say that. You cannot say that Jesus is the only way. Uh, That was one specific thing that I remember. You cannot say that abortion is sin. You cannot deal with alternative lifestyles. You cannot say that these things violate Scripture. You can no longer preach from Scripture. And most of us that were in there were saying, we can't do that. (laughs) And the gavel comes down in anger and they're mad. Of course, preachers can't do that, not righteous ones. Then I saw churches surrounded by mobs of people, People that were yelling to shut it down, even burn it down. And I saw people that were being so hateful towards the church. Yes, this is coming. You're going to be hated of all nations for my name's sake, says the Lord. And guess where the hatred is going to come from? It wasn't Pilate that wanted to crucify Jesus. It was the church. I saw people who were harassing believers going into church services. I saw people waiting outside after church to harass people who were leaving from church to go home. I saw hateful attitudes. But the thing that stood out in my mind was that most of the people in those crowds were the people who had been sitting in those chairs and pews and were not listening to begin with. Well, that's because they loved their sin. He said, In that moment, it struck me, even in the dream, that some of the biggest persecutions the church is going to face, coming very, very soon, and I believe has already started, will come from the people who sat among us in our churches, never accepting the Word of God as the Word of God. They were raised in it, all their lives, and now they wanted to walk away because they did not like the preaching of the Word of God that says, This is sin, this is wrong, you cannot walk in this and still be a believer. Well, I got to tell you, it's those wolves who sit next to these people and whisper in their ears. It's these wolves because what they're doing is they're imparting their demons. To the people and it's it's a thing to behold let me say it was their sons and daughters and grandchildren of these people whom who've been raised in church all their lives but they said we've had it there's nothing in this for me so notice not only did they leave uh, but also their sons and daughters left we have watched this this is what happens this gospel has no power, has no authority. It says, I can't have this. I can't do that. I can't go where I want to go. I can't be who I want to be. I want to say that a lot of the gospel isn't teaching people the way to do that. And people do uh, get frustrated. Okay, That is uh, something that really does happen because they don't know the gospel, the real good news that Jesus has already taken away their sins, healed their bodies, delivered them from the curse, delivered them from the power of evil, and so on. They don't know that they're supposed to be confessing the good confession. Okay, I can't be who I want to be. I can't do what I want to do. Self self is on the throne. And uh, those were the people who were screaming, who were throwing rocks, who had baseball bats and guns in their hands. You think that people can't turn in a moment. I have seen it happen. When the demons enter in, like they entered into Judas, when the demons enter in, they are unreasonable. So, of course, we've seen this happen in our own faction. The people who fell away began to slander, to steal, destroy their families with factious witchcraft spirits and send witchcraft attacks against the people. He goes on to say, The anger was led once again by those who had fallen away in backsliding. Those were the people who were pushing back against everything they'd been taught. Those had gone away to college and have become very liberal in all that they think and do and who have given in to some of the ideas. Ideas of the protest movements that we're seeing today and the ideologies that say that one race is better than others. The thing I saw about the pastors who were preaching was that they were of every race and color. I saw black, white, Native American, Indian, African, Russian, Chinese, etc., They were all preaching the gospel, and the biggest uh, persecution that came came from the people who had walked away from the church. Then I saw pulpits being chopped up with axes and big old-style wooden pulpits. I saw them being chopped to pieces. I saw plexiglass pulpits being hammered and hammered. I saw Christians in chains. I saw them being publicly ridiculed and publicly assaulted. Uh, Because their ideas were old-fashioned, quote-unquote, and uh, need to go. Then I heard a cry that I've heard for six months previous, but there was something added to it. I heard, brace yourself and endure to the end. And then, snap, that was that. I woke up. My heart was racing because I saw people that I knew. I saw missionary friends of mine, On the foreign fields, I saw pastors' friends. I saw uh, district leaders and officials from states that I know who are being attacked by those wolves while they preached the gospel and held to the standards of the Word of God, and they would not back down. And I saw the intensity in their eyes and the, the fight of their faith because of what they were dealing with and facing at that moment. I saw it, and it was laid out, and I share this because I just wanted to get a message out. God showed me something for the church and those that might be lost. You need to hear it. I'm telling you right now. This is for the church. Yes, it is, and uh, the uh, the same situation has already happened for the first fruits, and they're prepared to start. The tribulation and then the church will start their tribulation which will also uh, go through the situation so this is this is he says well he goes on to say this is for the pastors the missionaries this is to those people who believe the word of god is the word of god there's too much compromise in the gospel right now and i believe the lord is showing me that some of the biggest persecution that we're going to face is going to come from within the church itself, not from the lost, not from the Muslims, not from the protesters. It's going to come from people who sat in our churches and refused to listen to the truth of the Word of God and have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And Romans 1 comes into play right here, right now. So, to my pastor friends, I say, get with it. Don't stop preaching the hard gospel. Don't stop preaching the Word of God and the full gospel behind it. There's going to be a price that we pay for this. Preachers, get on your knees. Get in your secret place. Get in your prayer closet. Hear from God and preach what He says. Say what He says. Declare the message He gives you, and do not stand down, no matter what it costs, no matter what it does to you or your family. Brace yourself and endure to the end. And then uh, we want to share another one. Uh, we call this one, The Fire of Judgment Falls on the Apostates. Missy Pollock, 7 9 22. And Missy said, To preface this dream, before I had fallen to sleep that night, I asked the Lord to give me a dream that would let me know what He has for me ahead. And also, I was weary from all of the disinformation coming from the deep state news and the alternative news media, and had uh, asked Him to give me or anyone else His intel through dreams, visions, prophetic words, etc., so, I believe that's what he did. Thank you, Father, for quickly answering and encouraging me greatly, as well as all who read and listen to this. Okay, so, I, I believe that Missy, in this dream, is representing the bride. And she says, I dreamed I was resting on a daybed with sky blue sheets. That's That's heavenly. Uh, just like the one I've slept on when I stayed with Eve. And she has in parentheses, representing being in the rest of the bride, ceasing from our own works. It was dark, and I saw out the window what I thought were little meteorites falling from the sky like rain. And then I realized that they were falling embers, Um. In part two of this series, Fiery Trials Bring Revival, Dania Cumberstone said, I saw small embers of flames that were coming down around the clock, but not catching the ground on fire, although it looked like fire coming down. Well, okay, so Missy's dream also shows the embers of fire coming down out of the sky, but not catching anything on fire just like the portion of Dana's dream. Both of these dreams seem to show the embers as being spiritual because it didn't catch anything physically on fire. Uh, A fire from heaven uh, represents judgment, but also it's the fire one feels when going through a test and denying their flesh. You know what I mean? You feel that heat, you know, when you are denying your flesh, And your flesh doesn't want to. (laughs) So, these explosions of the lights were spreading out and the flames were going hundreds of miles beyond them. This probably represents the fear from the mainstream media who are totally cooperating with this invasion. Um, So let's get back to Missy's dream. I went outside with a dustpan and brush to sweep up the remnants of what I saw and to look at it. But there was nothing in my dustpan. I believe Father put that in my dream to show me that what I saw falling from the sky wasn't physical but spiritual. Also, I didn't get burnt by it. So, it was a judgment from heaven falling as fire. Elijah, of course, called down fire from heaven on Jezebel's apostates. Uh, This kind of fits the dream as we will see, I believe. Um, She said the house was on top of a hill, representing Mount Zion, the bride, who is over the rest of God's elect. My father, representing the father, came and we got into a white SUV. Uh, The white represents a vehicle of holiness, where there is safety, and SUV, of course, is made for the wilderness, right? I called my husband, who was in the house, and I asked him if he saw the embers that were falling from the sky, and he said that he did. Well, those on top of Mount Zion have spiritual eyes to see and ears to hear, and the bride will be able to point out these judgments from God and many will be saved. My father took me for a drive to see what had caught on fire from the embers falling from the sky. We were on at the bottom of the hill, Mount Zion, and as we drove up an incline, I saw some really old houses engulfed in fire. So this represents the fire of judgment that burns up the wood, hay, and stubble, and purifies the elect of God's people. In other words, a revival. These really old houses that were catching on fire uh, near the bottom of Mount Zion represent the apostate religious institutions that are going to experience judgment for ignoring the call to climb Mount Zion and to come into the presence of God. The next thing I know, my husband and I were at my son Kurt's house. Kurt is my second son, and spiritually represents the fruit of Christ in me. His house was on top of the same hill, representing Mount Zion, and it's that's where I was. And at the start of the dream, I was built up high like the it was built up high like the houses built on stilts along the beach to protect it from the waves. Psalm 18 and 2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I will take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower. I was holding my grandson, uh, representing the multiplication of my fruit, of Jesus in me. He was all swaddled up with a pacifier in his mouth. Well, he's not born yet (laughs) and is due mid-October this year. Uh, Is this a timing thing? Is the judgment going to fall not long after he's born? Well, it seems that way. I asked Kurt if he had looked out the window and saw the houses burning below, and he said yes, he did see them. Um, I asked for verses by faith at random for this dream, and uh, I underlined uh, where my finger came down, okay, and it was the family of the Ardites, that's numbers 26 and 40, and the sons of Bela were Ard and Naaman of Ard, the family of the Ardites of Naaman, the family of the Namites. Ardites means, I shall subdue, as in God shall subdue the church. This is good. This is great. Please don't turn loose of them, Lord. Um, Help them to see, right? Uh, So, and also she got Nehemiah 2 and 1 in context 1 through 5. And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in The twentieth year of Artaxerxes the king, when wine was before him, that I took up the wine, and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. And so the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance so sad, seeing that thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid, and I said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldst send me unto Judah, Unto the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. All right. This is what we're coming to the rebuilding of the kingdom. And the first fruits coming out to go and do this and lead people to do this. Of course, the kingdom today is not a building, it is the people, right? Well, what happened, you know, in this text was that the people had rebelled against the word like the church has today. And we taken into captivity like the church is today. And here Nehemiah is going to lead the return and rebuilding of the kingdom, as we're about to see. And uh, so she asked for a verse for herself, Zechariah eight fourteen, in context, 14 through 17. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, As I thought to do evil unto you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, saith the Lord of hosts, and I repented not. So again have I thought in these days to do good unto Jerusalem, which is the bride, and to the house of Judah. Fear ye not. These are the things that you shall do. Speak ye every man the truth with his neighbor. Execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. And let none of you devise evil in your hearts against his neighbor. And love no false oath. For all these are things that I hate, saith the Lord. Well, as you know, the, um, the people that weren't listening and um, the uh, mad dogs, the wolves, were doing just that devising evil in their hearts against their neighbor. They were like the Edomites who uh, went against their own brother. And um, So, she went on to say, These Zechariah verses remind me of Psalm 15. This chapter is about the coming peace and prosperity of Zion. This is true. And as I was meditating on this dream, subconsciously, this song was going through my head over and over until the Lord got my attention. It was a song that I had listened to a couple of days before. It's a song called Fire by C.C. Winans. Uh, These are the words of that song that were going through my head. Fire, fire, fall on us. Start a new revival. Fire fall on us. Well, amen. The fire is to burn up the wood, hay, and the stubble so that the Holy Spirit in us can have His way, right? Amen. Okay, Vanessa Weeks uh, gave us this revelation. It's called Civil War in America. She got it on 629 and um, so on. So, I dreamed that I was looking at a map of the U.S. I saw the northeastern and mid-northeast states shaded in a bluish-gray color. Well, the bluish-gray is a a blending of two colors here, and these are the colors used in the Civil War. The north was blue, and the south was gray. And as I read this dream, I did a, a little research and almost immediately found this picture of a map with the same colors uh, in the same places and the map was concerning a future civil war. Uh, and I'll put a link here so you can look at it. Now we don't necessarily agree with all the theories in the article, uh, just pointing out the fact that um, the two colors are in the north and east, and it is the blue and the gray. So, I knew this meant that the deep state was taking away all the color from this area, and especially the trees. Well, trees represent people. And taking away the color could mean turning everything gray, which means death. And they were calling this color savings time. That's what they called it, color savings time. And it was like the new time zone for the area. So, I think that this gray represents death to the ambitions of the country and hopefully to the population ignoring God. Uh, The resulting revival, I believe, will save the color of some of the trees or people. I had a sense of sadness and foreboding, of what would happen, I knew the color being removed had a spiritual application. Color makes me think of the seven attributes of the light, as seen in First Peter one five through seven. Yeah, the uh, seven attributes of uh, the separation uh, into colors that a prism does when you shine a light through it, right? And so these are the different, different attributes of the light who is Christ. 1 Peter 1, 5-7, Yea, and for this very cause, adding on your part, all diligence in your faith, supply virtue, and in your virtue, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, patience, and in your patience, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. And uh, she said, I believe the deep state wants to remove the people who have these attributes of Christ. Yes, that sounds reasonable. A good interpretation. They want to remove those attributes of Christ. And they've done their best throughout the world to do just that. They're Satanists, so it comes easy to them. I asked the Lord for a word about this dream and received by faith at random, Isaiah 42 and 20. And in context, 18 through 23. Hear ye deaf and look ye blind that you may see. Who is blind but my servant or deaf as my messenger that I send? Who is blind as he that is at peace with me? And blind as the Lord's servant. So a person who is at peace with the Lord, they, um, they don't pay attention to a lot of things around them because it doesn't serve the Lord in them. And uh, they don't take offense, so that doesn't touch them either. right? Verse 20 goes on to say, Thou seest many things, but thou observest not. His ears are open, but he heareth not. It pleaseth the Lord for his righteousness' sake to magnify the law and to make it honorable. But this is a people robbed and plundered, and they are all of them snared in holes, yeah, foxholes of war. And they are hid in prison houses, and they are for a prey. And none delivereth for for a spoil, and none saith restore. Who is there among you that will give ear to this, that will hearken and hear for the time to come? Also, by faith at random, a promise from the Lord to return his people from the north and the east is in Isaiah 43, 1-7. through 7. That's pretty cool. It answers, it points out the exact same places where this war is at, right? Uh, but now, thus saith the Lord, that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, and thou art mine. And when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. I've had that experience myself of walking through a fire that should have burned me up and did not. For I am the Lord thy God, and the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior, and I have given Egypt as thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in thy stead. Since thou hast been precious in my sight and honorable, and I have loved thee, therefore will I give men in thy stead and peoples instead of thy life. It is happening. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east, and gather thee from the west, and I will say to the north, Give up, and to the south, Keep not back. Well, there it is. The um, the north and the northeast. Uh, bring my sons from far, and my daughters from the end of the earth, every one that is called by my name, and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, yea, whom I have made. Okay, and then we had Bill Steenland, who had this revelation that we call Dream of Continents Colliding. And he got this on six fourteen twenty two. In a dream, I was shown some portion of the globe from way up over the earth. I could see entire continents. Some continents were drifting into others, and some were stationary. I could see continents shifting and converging together and knew it would bring a loss of life, a large loss of life. I believe South America and Mexico were due to collide with North America sometime in the near future. And then I woke up. Well, I believe that this is the invasion force that is approaching the southern border of the United States. We just spoke of a distraction that would permit them to cross into the United States in Dana Coverstone's dream. I'll give you a portion of that. Dana said, the next thing I saw was four lines of light that seemed to be coming up from the border all the way from Texas and California in broad daylight, representing, I believe, that they were no longer attempting to hide their plans, and this is a planned invasion over the border. It seemed that many people were coming from the border, but in a very organized way, and they moved north hundreds of miles with lights bright enough to be seen from space. Well, as we said earlier, these lights could represent deception. Yeah, this is a deception, I believe. To uh, remove the military's... um, Ability to respond here. Okay. They all stopped moving at once. And when they did, smaller lights, trails from within the United States started moving towards the four big lines of light where the movement had stopped. Well, they're being joined, I believe, by the CCP, Chinese Military Advisors. Um, as was in earlier in this text, and sleeper cells. And I remember George Washington's dream of the red light invasion from the East, and how the angels had come down to help the Americans who were almost overcome by it. Amen. Then suddenly, the smaller lights started attacking. I could very much see this as being sleeper cells, he said, um, like leftist anarchists, BLM, Antifa, and radical Muslims, I would say. Uh, He went on to say more people coming and the cells getting larger and larger. It was like watching moths drawn to a flame and the source lights kept getting bigger and bigger as the smaller lights came in. So they're gathering together a, an invasion force to fight against America. The, um, the source light kept getting bigger and bigger and then all four places flashed all at once and everything went dark for a moment and then it pulsed, almost like a slow light just going off and on. Well, I think that this may be what happened in the movie Red Dawn when the Chinese invaders EMP'd the nation in order to take it over. And then it exploded, and light was spread hundreds of miles from the source of that explosion. Now here, um, both I and Dana thought this was fear, that was spread by the media because the media, of course, is in cahoots with this invasion. They, too, are are in big, big trouble to, and ready to be prosecuted for their evil. And so they want to bring down this government, um, the Trump government. Okay, and so let's get back to Bill and his revelation here. I believe these land masses represent the displacement of people and troops from disaster, uh, like uh, natural disasters or man-made. And as I had the dream, I remembered I had this dream many times before, maybe three to four times. Um, Each time was very, very similar. I didn't understand a possible interpretation until now. I believe it has to do with mass migration and troop movements on a global scale. Well, also, this invasion coming into the United States, these people are military-trained people. Yes. This is not a bunch of uh, people from Mexico coming into the United States that we normally see. So, the man-made, excuse me, the man-child is coming with recompense before him, as the Bible says. And the next seal in Revelation 6 is taking peace from the earth, which will probably bring World War III. Uh, Also, they are planning to bring the continental divisions together to make the Ten Kingdoms. The Alliance One World Order is preparing that, and they are plundering the deep state to have the redistribution of wealth. The deep state will kill everybody that they can to stop this from happening. So here we have the makings of a war. Now one more thing I want to share with you, Debbie Finsky's revelation, Stand Firm in Me. She got on 7 eight twenty-two. As I was meditating on God's sovereignty in so many little and insignificant things, uh, like Brandy receiving 12 knife sharpeners instead of one that he ordered. <laughs> and I began to hear Father speaking to me. By the way, they told him just keep them. You know, I said, well, that's a deal, I guess. Um, She went on to say from the Lord, Have not I said... Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So keep standing still and firm in me, leaning not on your own understanding, but diligently moving in obedience to the work that I have called each of you to do. For I am the wise master builder, and I direct in every step and in every move you are to make. The path I direct you down is very narrow, but you will soon see that the horizon ahead of you is great and very encompassing. See it. My kingdom is encompassing the whole earth. How blessed you are to be called to such a great work. Be faithful. I speak to my faithful ones. Well, the angel in uh, Michael Boldius' dream said, The world will know hunger. The faithful will know the power of their God. Yes. Continuing here with this prophecy. For I know you, and I know that you understand the work that I call you to do is not a self-gratifying work, but it is a work requiring great self-denial. It is a moment-by-moment working out Your own salvation through obedience to me in holy fear and trembling, and in stillness, knowing that it is I, your Lord and your God, who works in you to will and to work for my good pleasure. I hesitated about asking Father to give me a random word from the Bible, yet I felt strongly that he wanted me to do just that, so I asked him, Father, I feel you want me to ask this of you, so I ask that you would randomly lead me to a place in your word that will be an undeniable confirmation of this word from you. So, without looking down, I just struck my finger in my Bible. And when I opened it up and looked down, I saw my finger was on the word, let in Joel 2 and 16. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the nursing infants. Let the bridegroom come out of his room and the bride out of her bridal chamber. There's the revealing of the man, child, and the bride because that's going to be a revelation that comes at that time, right? Thank you, Father. Thank you for the great work that you have called us to do. Uh, Help us, by your grace, to stay humble before you. Keep us still and firm in desiring to live the life of continual self-denial. Help us prepare ourselves through obedience to your word. And as we pray, fast and war for the coming of your man, child, and bride— and the bringing in and building of your kingdom of priests all over the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, how awesome. Well, Father, yes, we hate to see some of these things come, but they must come to purify your body. The sons of perdition must come out of the midst. Uh, The falling away will reveal who they are. And that has happened for the first fruits before the tribulation, and it's going to happen for the church, just as Dana pointed out, in the tribulation. Because the first fruits reformers, man-child reformers, have to be ready to get it right and to bring it to the people. They can't be in the sanctification mode. They have to be sanctified, right? So thank you, Father, for what you're doing. We ask you to finish the great work you started. Thank you for victory over all of the enemies. And we love you, and we thank you so much, Father, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, saints, God bless you and keep you. I hope you've enjoyed this as I have. Good night.
0: For information, materials, and to contribute, Go to unleavenedbreadministries.org Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123 Can quench my thirsting soul Pure as water made me Though the mountains fall into the sea Though the rivers rise, I still believe For your mercy stands and your word is true Oh Jesus, I trust in you